I'd like to start with a question for all ages here, our young people and our young at heart. Have you ever had someone say something about your voice? So I have a memory clear as day when I was working as a head cashier at Lowe's and I was ringing someone up and they told me that I had a voice that would be great for radio. I'm not sure why that memory has stuck with me for 15 years, uh, but it's, it's there. Uh, and I imagine maybe that it sticks with me because I have a little bit of a complicated relationship with my own voice. So as a kid at age five, I already had told my mom that I wanted to be a pastor. It was also alongside a painter and a paleontologist. One of the three worked out. Uh, and, but I, as I got a little bit older, I wrote up like a prayer, a little bit of like a liturgy thing for the church that I went to. And I shared it with the minister and he said, would you like to share this on a Sunday service? I said, okay, because I wanted to be a pastor. However, the day of, I chickened out literally 10 minutes before service when they asked me to do a sound check because I was afraid of public speaking. And as I got older, my relationship with my voice did not get any easier. As a trans woman, it bothered me in ways that I couldn't quite name as a teenager when my voice was getting deeper and deeper. By the end of high school, my voice at least felt to me like it was nearing a Johnny Cash level of bass. That might be a slightly older reference for folks, but hopefully maybe you can get introduced to Johnny Cash if you're a little bit younger. Perhaps I was just exaggerating, but in my mind, my voice came across as really, really deep and really, really masculine. So when I started to transition in 2015, I developed a unique way of working on moving my voice up a little bit. I sang along to a lot of Taylor Swift. I know I can't, can't pass up an opportunity to mention Taylor Swift any time that I speak, but I hoped that this would help me move my voice up into a higher range alongside some other practices that I found on YouTube. And slowly and steadily, it did change the way I spoke a little bit, and my natural pitch moved out of the the Johnny Cash depths, the deep, deep depths. Which is why it then bothered me to no end that any time I would call a place, I would still be called Sir. They didn't know the work that I was doing to move away from this voice that I had before, because to them, it still sounded on the masculine side of androgynous. And as I began working in churches and going to seminary and doing my internships, I broke through the fear of public speaking, but I did develop a fear of phone calls due to this constant misgendering because of my voice. I think it's also a millennial thing. As I've made progress on parts of my transition in the last few years, one area that kept bothering me was still my voice. I saw other trans women make big changes to their voice online. So I began to research and practice a little bit every morning. But when your job involves a lot of speaking, a little bit of practice doesn't quite help you get to that level of confidence that makes you ready to make that jump. So I would set myself deadlines. First, it was, I'll transition my voice before I even start at Fourth Universalist. Then it was, before we return in person, maybe people won't notice. 
than it was before returning from Omicron. After a summer vacation, there was always a new deadline. So last spring, I took a formal lessons and it made a huge difference, but then life happened. Specifically, I got gender confirmation surgery this summer and that took a lot of focus and a lot of energy and it distracted me from crossing that finish line. So when Reverend Jennifer and I started talking about this voice service, I set myself a new deadline, this voice theme service. Alas, it's another deadline missed, but it did get me back to my practices in the morning, and now I'm slowly but surely working on making this transition of my voice in the coming months. Perhaps issues like this are why trans women are not often pursuing jobs that involve public speaking, something like ministry. Either we'll be bothered by the dysphoria of our voice sounding too masculine, or if we do work to transition our voice, we might face the struggle that many cisgender women face of not having that voice taken as seriously as a masculine one. It's only my love for this work that I do and for ministry that has helped me push through the discomfort with my voice to be able to still do the thing that I love. But the mental blocks pop up when it comes to doing something as daunting as transitioning your voice, especially when speaking constantly for work. I think at this point, it's pushing myself to feel comfortable and feel that my voice is ready for that jump. And I suppose now that I'm sitting here telling the congregation about my plan, it might help me to overcome my fear that others will judge me, especially in those in-between moments, and that others will think less of my voice. Because we all deserve to have a voice that we love and that does its job well. Because we all deserve to feel comfortable in our own skin and in our own voices, we all deserve to be able to speak authentically and truthfully. And we all deserve to love ourselves and our voices, no matter what they sound like. A few of you who were here a couple weeks ago might have remembered that I was born and raised in the Philippines. And I remember very distinctly when I was seven years old, Reese's age actually, my mom was too sick to take care of the kids. So she sent us all to different places and to different relatives. And I ended up in a province called Legaspi. Some of you may have heard of that place. And I was staying with my uncle at the time who happened to be a minister. Now, I'm not gonna go into details about what being a minister was like, but needless to say, unlike Ember, I thought to myself, when I grow up, I do not want to be a minister. That is the furthest profession from my mind because I had a fear of public speaking. How many of you here today also have a fear of public speaking? Raise your hand. Right, quite a few of you. In fact, survey shows that three out of four people on this planet have a fear of public speaking, so you're not alone. I myself would rather eat dirt than speak publicly in front of people that I don't know or who may judge me or who may harbor thoughts about what I had to say, right? But not only that, when I was growing up, it was a culture where children are encouraged to be seen and not heard. Anybody ever heard that expression before? Yes, right? <laughs> 
So I took that very seriously and I thought, okay, I'm cool with that. I'll just do my own little thing over here and shy away from any kind of public speaking, let alone being a minister someday. So fast forward to when we came to this country, I was 12 years old. And again, I spoke with a very thick accent and guess what? My classmates made fun of me. And so I thought to myself, I'll just be quiet then so that nobody will make fun of my accent, right, in school. And then I came with that mentality until I was about 21 years old and I had just graduated from college. And again, those of you who have read my biography know that I went to film school. So I put that degree to use by working in the film industry. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, so were you in front of the camera? Were you acting in front of a, well, just a camera, right? And the answer is no. So of course, I picked a profession that would make sure that I was behind the camera by being an administrator in a studio. So I was the assistant to the executive um, president of the film company that I work for. And, you know, I was invited, this is a trivia question, right? I was invited to be on the set once. So yours truly shared a set with Angelina Jolie, who you may have heard of, and Ryan Philippi, who you may not have heard of because he was more popular back then than he is now. But trust me, I had a huge crush on Ryan and I couldn't wait to get on the set to be an extra. And those of you who know anything about the film industry know that extras say nothing because once your mouth starts speaking and moving, then you have to be a member of SAG, right? The Screen Actors Guild. So since I wasn't tap hard lead at the time, that's a technical term for it, I remained silent. And this was also the time when I was exploring what I wanted to do with the church I belonged to. So I finally found a congregation that accepted me for who I was, and I wanted to make sure I give back by volunteering. And so my first job, my first real job at church, again, was not preaching, was not being a worship associate, was not anything having to do with the front-facing part of church, but rather I worked the sound booth. So I know exactly how to operate those microphones, and I know exactly how nerve-wracking it is when things don't work back there, right? And I was working the video and the PowerPoint. Again, nothing to do with the front-facing part. Until one day, my minister at the time, Reverend Nancy was her name, said, Jennifer, why don't you give a sermon and why don't you preach? And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, these voices just started coming back to me. And I remember the, the point where I felt like how could I do that when my voice was taken away? Speaking of movies, by the way, you know, getting back to my previous um, uh, discussion around being in the film industry, how many of you have seen either the animated version or the live action version of The Little Mermaid? All right, a good number of you. Do you remember in that movie who took away Ariel's voice? Reese? 
Ursula, Ursula the sea witch, right? But in this case, in my case, it wasn't Ursula who took my voice away. It was the rest of the world by saying that I, my English isn't good enough, right? Or that um, your voice sounds so gay, right? Whatever that means. Or that what do you have to say that would make a difference anyway in people's lives? Or what, what's important enough that you're the only voice who could possibly say it. So I went into this invitation from my minister with fear and trembling. I remember that first Sunday when I was invited to preach, I went up to the pulpit. Nobody could see it, by my, but my knees were trembling, you know, and my, there were butterflies in my stomach, and I was just so scared to be up there giving the message that day. But I also remembered what she told me, which is that just let spirit do the talking, you know, and just listen to whatever spirit it is that has to say through you. So be a, an instrument, a vessel for spirit to speak through you. And that actually was such an empowering message. And eventually I was able to take that in and dispel the voices of the Ursulas in the world right to say that i don't care what anybody else thinks i am going to be brave enough to live into this calling of using my voice to help heal the world and so fast forward to today this is where i am standing in front of you talking to a bunch of people about what matters most in life and really the job of a minister though is not just about sunday mornings right so over the years i've also been out in the public arena doing rallies and advocating for social justice issues making sure again that the voice of the marginalized are heard and the voice of those who are voiceless are heard in our society and these days, I must say that one may think that having a microphone or using words that will be heard by others is the only way to go. There's so many other ways to make sure your voice is heard. One could do so by texting or emailing someone or um, even humming or singing and sign language. There are so many different abilities that we all have to communicate with one another. The only major thing I want to say about it is that I hope we use our words to help and heal instead of hurt and harming someone else, right? So that's the only caveat I have about how we use our voice. So here at the Fourth Universalist Society, I hope that we feel safe enough so that we too can express how we're feeling and we too can use our voice to help transform our world. May it be so and may it be a collective offering for all of us to make sure that our voices are heard. Mm -hmm.